Yo, this weirdo really starting a podcast? Yeah, girl, he been like that since birth. Always gotta do everything in the weirdo way. The weirdo way. The weirdo way. Wow, wow, wow. Welcome, weirdos, to the Weirdo Way podcast. I am your host, Weirdo Way, and I'm so happy for episode two to get on the way. Yes, that's right. That's episode two. No, the bonus episode did not count as episode one. This is episode two, and I gotta be honest, I'm just as disappointed as you are that episode one is not out yet, right? Episode one, look, it's a long story. It's a long story, but, but instead of focusing on what's not here, we're gonna appreciate what we have, which is episode two, Weirdos Love Minnesota. Yes, it is a two-parter, and it's gonna be a surprise to me and you. What's in part one and part two? Let's find out. But I really need to start off by saying... Thank you, because there is over a million podcasts on the planet Earth, and you are here listening to me. I just want to say thank you. Round of applause to you. Today's episode is jam-packed full of with just so much goodness. For y'all, before we get into that, I need you guys to do me a favor. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure you don't miss an episode of the Word Away podcast. Go ahead and give me five stars, five stars, five stars, because if you're going to do anything in this life, you might as well do it to the best of your ability. So go ahead and do that. And make sure you comment, give me some feedback. And if you don't already, please go straight to the Instagram or the Twitter. We do some really dope stuff on the social media platforms, IG and Twitter. A lot of ways to keep y'all informed, a lot of insights up to the minute reports and i tell you every single day somebody's in my dms telling me like yo i didn't know that was open here how do you get to this place where's that cocktail damn that food look good where that's at or yo you need to talk about this on the pod you need to talk about that on the pod and i love the feedback right i appreciate all the engagement so keep it coming but you got to do your part first at weirdo way on all platforms please go ahead and do that get some great content that's at Weirdo Way on IG and Twitter once again. And while y'all go ahead and do that, I'm going to take some time to work on these vocal exercises. Um, <clears throat> Betty Botter bought some butter, but she said the butter's bitter. If I put but a bit of batter, butter, bought a better butter. <laughs> the things I do for self-improvement. <laughs> y'all go ahead and laugh at my pain. Anyway. I'm two-turned right now. Minnesota, this one's for you. A topic that is near and dear to my heart. Weirdos love Minnesota. And this is called the weirdo way, not the normal way, right? So we're going to zig where others are zagging. Right now, everybody is talking about how sad it is to be in Minneapolis, how awful it is. We have people from the bottom border of California all the way up to the tippy top of Maine fixated, and rightfully so, on the murder trial of Derek Chauvin. This is probably one of the biggest trials of a generation. I'd be lying if I said that it hasn't affected my mental psyche to watch some of the testimony and see some of the things that are happening out of that. You have some really great journalism coming out of Georgia Fort, out of Unicorn Riot, so many other black journalists and great alternative news outlets that are doing it right. I want to say appreciation to them. Unlike, well, y'all heard the bonus episode. <laughs> and I'm really not going to do that right now. I'm going to be telling you all these wonderful reasons there are to love this beautiful city, this wonderful state I call home, my headquarters, one of the top three states in the union, and it's not three. Don't at me. Go check the stats. The numbers don't lie. The rankings are out there. Go look them up yourself. Minnesota, I'm putting on. I'm putting on. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Minnesota music. I have an album review that I'm so excited. A hometown 
Hero dropped an album, and he's gonna be the first one I review on the pod. We're gonna talk about Minnesota food culture. I stand Minnesota food. First of all, you guys should know I want to be blackboard Bourbon so bad, with the caveat that if you guys have demons that get too loud, please talk them out. There is no shame in therapy. In fact, there is great strength and vulnerability. It's my quick PSA on the topic, but I got somebody really special who loves food. One of the best bartenders in the city, in the state, and he works out of the Uptown Amazing Thailand Restaurant, which is routinely voted one of the best happy hours you can have here. Super geek to have Shane Pantella, aka Tubby, on the pod. Part two? Question mark? Also, if I'm a general in the weirdo army, I think of the late, great, magnificent, otherworldly prince as a deity. You know what I'm saying? Somebody that is willing to unmask and be that unapologetically themselves, that is everything us weirdos aspire to be. And hey, let's keep it 100. The man can walk into the club wearing six-inch heels and take your girl, but it's still your girl, and you can do nothing about it. <laughs> you gotta respect it. And I got a true disciple of the prince doctrine to give us her unbridled opinion on all things prince, and she is a super fanatic. There's no way I'm gonna even broach this topic without reaching out to her, and she was so gracious to give me an interview, and I'm so excited to. You guys are gonna love it. You guys are gonna love it. So, without further ado, episode one, Weirdos Love Minnesota, get into the weirdo way. Lego. Yeah, man, you look into the Weirdo Way podcast, you know, my straight out of Minnesota, you know what I mean? I say, number one, number one, number one, this. Me can't believe my eyes. Everything raw, explicit, up and running. Take what me say, me I deliver it to your bum buckler. You understand me? All right, first things first. It's only right that I tell you guys my Minnesota story. Like, I, like most black people, have a trans, most black people, it seems, in Minnesota, have a transplant story. But unlike most people in Minnesota, I claim the fuck out of it. <laughs> and y'all know what I'm talking about, too. Like, you meet a motherfucker like, oh, where you from? And they'll tell you, oh, I'm from Chicago. And you're like, oh, cool. How long you been here? Oh, I moved here when I was five. <laughs> Sir, you're 32. You're Minnesotan. All right? Stop playing yourself. <laughs> See, I'll always say that Philadelphia is my soul, but Minneapolis has my heart. You know, I'm so in love with the city. <laughs> it's whenever I go back home. My family is like, move back here. What's even in Minnesota? Then, you know, I have to rattle off my long list of fast facts about why the great state of Minnesota is elite. <laughs> Shout out PJ Fleck. <laughs> I always start by telling about the opportunities here, about how high the salaries can sit. Talk about 14, 15, 16, Fortune 500 companies that call Minnesota home right now. And most, if not all of those, are homegrown. And that doesn't count the ones that ran away for tax evasion purposes. Allegedly. <coughs> Metronic. <coughs> If there's something about Minnesota that lends itself to so many success and turnaround stories of people who have migrated here, both international and domestic, and thrive in ways they weren't able to put together elsewhere. Being here helps stabilize them. <laughs> I'll call it forged in ice, yeah? <laughs> and I'm not talking about one or two one-off anecdotes. I'm talking about so many people I come in contact with tell me the same story. Gary, Chicago, Baltimore, where Somali, Mexican, Laotian, Mama Liberia, you know, wherever. Wherever they come from, when they come to Minnesota, it seemed to have grounded them or they were able to get on their feet and do. even if they didn't stay here, they were able to get direction. Then I go on to tell my family about the wonderful ways in which the city and nature intertwine. Or I tell the fam about what a versatile night you can have in Minneapolis. <laughs> I've had nights where I had a world-class dinner like Bar La Grasse or P.S. State, Manny's maybe, you know? Then go get a little ratchet with these great acrobats over at the Augies, right? <laughs> NBA classics on the TV. 
elite athletes swinging from the ceilings. Seriously, if you haven't been, once we beat COVID, y'all got to get over to Augie's. Support support black business. Those black entrepreneurs. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm so serious. And that's just the pregame before I go to the Guthrie, right? And see a world-class show like Hamlet, Othello. I mean, I've seen incredible shows there. Of course, their cash cow is uh, a Christmas story. And if you haven't seen that, I highly encourage it at least once. Especially if you're looking for something to do over the holidays with your children or your girl. But yeah, like the Guthrie itself is just such an incredible, magnificent building. Overlooking the beautiful Stone Arch Bridge. And that's been a shiny beacon of Minneapolis since way before I was born, you know. And it's, it's amazing to see it still now. It's one of the first places you take people to get a sense of the city, to show off the city a little bit. You take them to the Stone Arch Bridge. And after that show, you go for the turn up, right? I tend to follow DJs in the city, right? So I'll follow wherever DJ Advance is playing at, whatever Ray, Ray Mills is spinning at, wherever Willie Shoe is spinning at. I'm going to go there and you can go to Hyde or Monarch Exchange, you know, so many dope venues, Breakfast Bar. If you know Breakfast Bar, that is a Sunday situation like no other. But it's just so many fun places in this city. And then even after that let out, if you ain't tired yet, you can go to one of these amazing underground hookah spots. I'm not dry snitching and telling you exactly where they are. If you know, you know. <laughs> but um, hopefully those get a revival after COVID. <laughs> but most of the nightlife places I was telling you about before, they're right here in my wonderful downtown neighborhood. I haven't even begun to touch on North Loop proper, Uptown, Northeast, Lynn Lake, Over South. Shit, even over north, really. Even though most of the news media in the Twin Cities will try to have you scared to come down here, you're missing out on a great experience if you don't. <laughs> Speaking of Augies, that kind of reminded me of a time, well, I fell in love with my first stripper there. My first and last stripper there. <laughs> I'm talking about, I got finessed out of like half a stack. If I'm being honest, it was probably like a stack and a half. Ugh. On just lap dances, conversation, and alcohol. And gentlemen, if you're being honest, you know how that shit go. I was this young kid. I just came back from Afghanistan. Y'all, she made me feel so special. Even She even told me her name. I think she told me her name was like Denise or something like that. I felt like we were having a moment. I felt like I was going to rescue her from this place. <laughs> and we was gonna grow, we was gonna go start a family, and I was gonna put her through school. <laughs> Laugh at my pay, y'all. But again, I was young. I was I didn't know the game, man. I was young, dumb and full of cum. Y'all know that saying, right? <laughs> Is that just an army thing? Whatever. And she told me she wanted to get me know me better, and I should wait for her outside the club. So I do exactly that. I stand outside the doorway. Oh wow, that's my mama calling. She don't want me to tell this story, but I'm gonna tell it. <laughs> She must know. But um, yeah, I stand outside the doorway. She comes. I'm like, big smile on my face. I'm ready to like take my lady and whisk her off. And uh, we lock eyes. And I step forward to whisk my new queen away. And she makes the hardest left turn away from me. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Denise. Denise, it's me. And she looks back, then forward quickly again. <laughs> and I go, Ginger! Or maybe Candy. I can't remember what her stripper name was. Because at this point, I'm like, maybe I heard her first name wrong. And she starts walking so fast. And uh, I learned a valuable lesson that day. She don't want to be saved. Don't save her. <laughs> Is that cultural? There's, I don't know if everybody will catch that, but if the real ones know. <laughs> and if you don't, you should. But super important lesson to learn in the strip club. Do not fall in love. She's just trying to pay her rent, okay? So don't be in there catching no feelings. <laughs> Do, however, enjoy the purely honest, transactional nature of the relationship. Respect the game, respect the women. You're going to have a good time. <laughs> that might be the first glimpse in the story time with a weirdo. But um, if you guys want to hear more, you know, vanilla experiences in Minneapolis. NPR is a great resource for you to use. Care 11, KSTP, Lord knows WCCO is there for you for uh, 
a, a sanitized version, a sanitized experience. But if you want to hear the real, you came to the right place. The weirdo way, baby. I got you. And even on a serious note, we'll talk about this at some point. But we need to decriminalize sex work in general. And we need to destigmatize it. Hell, it's been a minute. But I'll definitely drop my top five favorite gentlemen's club at some point in time on that, that same decriminalized sex work episode. <laughs> Number one in Seville. But again, I digress. Um, stripper heartbreak notwithstanding, I love Minneapolis. I love Minnesota. I'm convinced people who say otherwise just don't know it well enough. For instance, one of the most common refrains here, ugh, is just so small. And I'm like, yeah, maybe if you go to the same three spots every weekend and you haven't added any new friends to your circle since the last Obama years, you damn right it's going to be small. You go to the same four spots every weekend with the same eight people, how could it not be? Former Minneapolis Mayor R.T. Ryback via the Star Tribune has this great quote. If you want to make a friend in Minnesota, go to kindergarten. <laughs> but kind of speaks to how Minnesota can be made to feel artificially small. People kind of make their click here early and then go all Drake, no new friends when they're out in the social scene. And no matter where you live, you recognize that it's difficult to make new friends as an adult for some reason. Um, but it is especially difficult in Minnesota. And that's only compounded if you're a transplant moving here for a job or whatever reason. Anyone who knows the weirdo way or see me out, y'all know I don't. I love to like go to a place by myself and take a table and just sit and observe. And I just like to be vibing in my own area, you know? But I'm the exception, not the rules. So please be cognizant of people trying to merge friend groups or somebody trying to make a new friend. And it'll help with those of you who keep on following in bed with the same trash partners just because they're in your social group. <laughs> Date outside your friend group a little bit or widen it. One or the other. Stop fighting over the same recycled dudes. <laughs> but on a serious note, that sort of tension in Minnesota exists in all different facets around silos here, right? You want to tell me how scary it is to live on the north side? You never walk through there on a regular day basis. You never spent money there. You want to tell me how there's nothing to do in Minnesota? You never been to Afton State Park. You never been to the North Shore. One of the most beautiful places in the country exists right here in Minnesota, you've never been up there before. And black people, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to everybody, but black people especially on this one. Y'all know I'm always telling every black person I meet, get up to the North Shore as soon as possible. As soon as it's nice out, get up to the North Shore, go to Bluefin, get a weekend with your lady, take the family up there. Let's shit, be a weirdo like me and just go up by yourself. This shit is therapy. Let's get up in this nature. And because it's 2021, yes, it's very Instagram friendly. <laughs> Seriously though, if you're going up there for the first time, we need a list of do's and c's let me know at weirdo way in my dms i will get you that list gotta go check it out we're so blessed to have these boundary waters right you've never seen them you want to tell me how much you are a part of the minnesota food culture i've never seen you do rip and dip at dillas i ain't never see you do a write-up about mama teas or aquaba or african deli not afro deli you guys have covered that turf more than enough i'm talking about african deli right you tell me about how minnesota's all white you don't know nothing about the Hmong culture here or the somalis or that a whole Ethiopian revolution was started right here in the great state of Minnesota. Don't take my word for it. Go do your research. Go Google it. Let me know what you find. So yeah, it's so much greatness in this state of Minnesota once you traverse these silos. And part of this podcast is going to be to break those down often. Now, to air out our dirtiest of laundry, Minnesota leads the nation in racial inequality and racial achievement gaps. That's disgusting. It's embarrassing. It's something I cannot wait to see go away. It is disheartening, and we absolutely need to rectify that. I find it unacceptable. It is really holding Minnesota back from actualizing its true greatness. That's something I touched on a lot in the bonus episode and will continue to hark on throughout the season because so many legislators, mayors, and senators say they love this state, but you can't really unless you want to see 
see everybody win. And I want to see everybody win. Yeah, I'm talking about Albert Lee, Austin, Rochester, and Mankato. The whole Metro, the whole Minneapolis Metro. St. Paul, not so much, but no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But all the way up to St. Cloud and Alexandria, Fergus Falls, all, and Bemidji, all of Minnesota. But we can't be the number two ranked state in the nation and be the number three or four or five ranked state for racial disparities. That doesn't add up. We got to be real about the problems and we got to be intentional. Let's get real and intentional. You know, the weirdo way. All right, so you ask any layperson what they think about Minnesota, what they know about Minnesota, the top two things without question will be what? Can you guess? Definitely number one will be the Mall of America, which, you know, I put on for my state. I want y'all to come and see it for yourselves, but um, wouldn't be in my top 25 things about Minnesota. <laughs> But the other one people will undoubtedly say, which is kind of go the other way, I think would be Prince. You know, one of those if you know, you know situations where I think that a lot of people know of Prince, but I'm not sure how many people know how deep his catalog is or really would put him in their top one, two, three of artists all time. Um, but that could be my ignorance. And because I recognize that, <laughs> I went and got one of the most knowledgeable Prince aficionados. Um, she was so gracious, and it was a pleasure to have that conversation with her. At SissyLabru01 on Instagram, if you would like to follow her. And I actually think I'm going to have to have her back on if we ever do a Dating in Minneapolis episode. <laughs> Which is weirdly enough where this conversation picks up. <laughs> but for now, I hope y'all enjoyed this conversation about the greatest Minnesotan to ever do it. He had many names. His royal badness. Skipper. The high priest of pop. The prince of funk. The purple one. The artist formerly known as Prince. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a listen. I almost feel like everybody knows who Prince is. Everybody, if you know who he is, you have to have an understanding of, even if you don't like his music, you have to understand his like capabilities, his just genius in a way, and you have to respect it. And yesterday we were talking about like the top guitarists or our top guitarists of all time. And I was like, well, Prince is obviously in your top, right? And the dude was like, Prince? Why would Prince be in my top? And I was like, because Prince is fucking awesome at the guitar. Like how anybody would, anybody would say that. I don't understand why anybody wouldn't, mm -hmm. but you know. And see, I always say like, that's my blind spot, right? Like I, when I lived in Philadelphia, I knew of Prince, but nothing of his catalog. I mean, one time we were talking about Prince versus Michael Jackson, right? And I was like, that's no contest. Yeah. What are we talking about? And I was saying that's no contest too. Right. But yeah, in exactly. the other way that you were saying it. Yeah. Actually, the first one I ever met that was like, no. And... <laughs> But I've always loved Prince as a uh, a being, his swag, if you will. I just, I like how he carries himself. It's kind of like unapologetically Prince. He commands, yeah. you know, being, but I don't know much about his catalog and all. So when was the first time you came into knowing Prince as a musician? Oh God, since I was a kid. I mean, I grew up in Minneapolis and obviously Prince is from Minneapolis. So everybody in Minneapolis knows Prince. And my mom was a big Prince fan. She used to play him, you know, the, the old school setup of, like the big stereo speakers and the big entertainment center. We used to jam to Prince all the time when we were kids. And 
that was just normal. Like you would go to school, seen in Prince, like everybody just loved Prince in Minneapolis. I used to actually burn Prince mixes back in the day in like middle school, high school. You know, I come from an area where we didn't have a lot of money. Nobody had like a lot of stuff to give people for Christmas or their birthdays. So I would burn Prince mixes and I would just pass them out. I would have a big old stack of them and would just pass them out. You did pretty well doing it? Oh yeah. Like the thing is, even in like um, grade school and high school, like kids liked Prince, but you know, kids were listening to Jay-Z and everything else. So we would, me and Jeanette, my best friend would always push in Prince, you know, and people would be like, okay, this is overkill. You guys need to calm down with this. But me and her just, we just love sharing Prince with people. Even the theater I went to, the Capri Theater, when I was a kid, I used to be in like dancing and acting classes and things like that. And Prince performed at the Capri when he was younger. So it was just like, there's always a tie to Prince somewhere in Minneapolis. You you just never forget that. That's real. That's real. Like, what was your most vivid memory of him as like, like as a performer at a show. I've heard like oh, epic man. stories of like him playing behind Fog. Oh, there's so many times that I saw Prince live that I can tell you every single time was special. There was never, like, you know, you can like someone and see them in concert a lot and it's usually the same experience or the same kind of feel. I saw him so many times and I never, I always walked away surprised. Like I was never like, oh, that was Prince. Like it was always like, man, fuck, that was Prince. Like uh, I probably, my favorite moment though, and I think I might've told you this story, was um, he did a jazz show at the Dakota. He he like did jazz for a while. And me and my best friend, my Prince companion, she and I had both managed to get a ticket to the show and they were only selling like a few hundred a night. And I think he did like three shows there and you could only buy one ticket. It wasn't like it is now where you could buy out all the tickets and then scalp them. It was one person got one ticket and that was it. Mm-hmm. And she had managed to get one online and I was so jealous because I was like, I've been online all damn day and didn't get a ticket, but I walked my ass down to the Dakota and and I was the only one that thought to go in person, I guess. And I ended up getting a ticket and we both ended up getting a ticket for the same show. We hadn't seen each other in a while. So we were like, you know what? Let's go ahead and meet early. It was cold as hell out. So we were like, well, let's just meet at the Dakota. It's a bar, you know, they'll probably let us in for a drink early. So we went down there, knocked on the door and they were like, we're not open, you know, Prince's tonight. And we were like, we know we just, we're cold. We just want to drink. Like we just want to catch up, you know? Yeah. And so they were like, okay, fine. They let us in and she and I were the only ones there. We were sitting on the balcony and all of a sudden, after like a while, Prince walks out on stage and starts tuning his guitar. And we were like, no way. Like, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. It was just just she and I in a room with Prince. That was it. Whoa. And I was like, Whoa. what should we do? Should we yell something? And But we were just quiet as hell and just watched it and appreciated it for what it was. Like 45 minutes later, because you know Prince was a perfectionist. And yes, it took right. him 45 minutes to tune that damn guitar. <laughs> but 45 minutes later, he sets the guitar down and he starts to walk away and we were like what what do we do so we just yelled north side because you know prince was a north sider we're north siders and that was our connection to prince he just turned around pointed at us and laughed and walked off stage and i know i know he knows who i am i'm just saying i know he knew who i am i should say because every single concert I went to, he would always like point at us. He would always be like, hey, and everyone was like, oh, he's just pointing at random people. No, he was pointing at us. He was like, hey, girls, like, okay, they're here. Yeah, that that night at the Dakota, though, that was amazing. He had done jazz that I had never got to see him do, only listen to. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of other memorable shows. I mean, every, like I said, every show is memorable. There was one when his 3121 album came out. He returned to First Ave, which was the first time since 
since he had done Purple Rain. And he did a show. He did three shows that night. He did one at the Target Center, one at like Macy's. And then he did one at First Ave. That was, again, his first time returning back there. And me and my friend, same girl, same Prince fan. She was hardcore too. We slept outside First Ave to get tickets. And we ended up getting tickets to the show. Again, I think they only sold like a thousand. And that was like pegged as the after party. And, um, she and I got these tickets. He only charged $31 and 21 cents for him because that was the name of his album. You gotta, you gotta appreciate that. And we went there. He had performed songs that he never performed ever before and never performed ever again after that show. And I felt so special just experiencing that. Whoa, that's incredible. And then this girl next to me was yelling, where's Purple Rain? And I, I, when I tell you I almost beat the shit out of someone, that was it. <laughs> like, I was so <laughs> I was so upset because I was like, he is performing songs that nobody else in the world will ever get to hear live. And you're complaining that he's not playing. Play the hits. Play the hits. Right? And I was like, girl, you should have gone to the Target Center next door before. Like, that's where he was playing Purple Rain. Actually, he might not have even played it there. Who knows? It it just shows you that some people just can't appreciate something so amazing and wonderful. And it's just so sad to me. And I wonder if that girl even remembers that show or the fact that she was yelling play purple rain i just i i I do think of things like that sometimes just so bizarre i love that you know everybody's like i know her i know her by face but not by name and you're like that's what prince is with me prince know me by face you don't know my name but you know me by face no he i'm not gonna lie prince was kind of a creeper he probably knew exactly who we were like because i was a creeper too I used to like tweet him. He, he Okay, so Prince used to go through a phase where he thought the internet was just a fad. He oh, didn't wow. think it was like a real thing. But then for some reason, like a year or two before he passed away, he started getting into the internet. And I remember the day Prince got a Twitter account. You better believe I tweeted him every day. I'd be like, hey, Prince, how are you today? Nothing like deep, nothing significant. I'd just be like, how are you today? What's Did you see this mural in Northside today? Like I tweeted him every day, like we were best friends. And I know he was like, oh, Sierra's, Sierra's contacting me again. Like, I know it. <laughs> I love that. Also, Dakota Jazz Club is a very underrated place to watch a show. Like, yeah, it's amazing in there. It's so dope. Prince tie-in. I went on a date there one time, and it was like this random harmonica band, right? And mm-hmm. I don't even remember what was the draw for it, but I just knew I wanted to go to Dakota watch the show. We're sitting there, and this band was incredible. Again, it's a harmonica band, but they yeah. were incredible. Like, I can't even explain it. And I don't know where I'm like, I tapped the girl. I'm like, yo, is that Dave Chappelle? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like, no, no. I'm like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I want to go. I think that's Dave Chappelle. So I try to walk over cool and I, and uh, pretend to go to the bathroom. I run back to that's Dave Chappelle. Yeah. I mean, within like five minutes, he gets on stage and he's like, all right, if you got a camera, put it away right now. I told my wife I wouldn't be drinking and here I am with this Corona. So put it away. And he does, does this like 10, 15 minute riff on like, no way. It was so surreal how he like saw this harmonica band with Prince all the time. I guess this guy was like in Prince's band at one point and how Prince is one of like Prince's favorite acts. It was crazy. And it was like one of the times, you know, Dave Chappelle always used to do like a run of random shows in Minneapolis for like. Yeah, I've gone to a few of them. Yeah. And yeah. He, would, he would always say like, where's Prince at? I hear Prince is coming. And everybody <laughs> would be like, where's Prince? <laughs> Yo, Dave Chappelle, another epic, epic entertainer. So oh, I love Dave Chappelle, yeah. For somebody who like, like me, who doesn't, who didn't know the catalog of Prince, like where would I start? What's the good 
entree into the, the world. Oh my of- God, that's, I don't even know where to, where to send people because it's like, well, what do you like? Are you more into funk? Are you more into rock? Are you more into R&B? Like, where do you start with Prince? I mean, you just start everywhere and anywhere. That's like the answer, I guess. This but- is the most Prince fan answer I could ever imagine. Well, I don't it's know. nothing oh. and everything at the same time. Whenever I think of my favorite Prince, it's never from like the same, I call them Prince eras because mm. he went through like different, different different, you know, evolutions of Prince. So I, I, whenever I think of like my favorite Prince music, it's never like just this, it's never just that. My favorite Prince look is 90s Prince, you know, when he had like the flat iron, longer hair, like I loved that Prince. Yeah. I also loved the baby fro Prince, but as far as music goes, like all of it is so different from each other, but it's also Prince, if that makes sense. Think. Prince? Yeah. So there's no album that stands out. Like if I'm like, I want to just get the essence of Prince. There's no favorite album. There's like, yo, this is his, this is him at his best drummer or guitar wise. Well, you know, you know where I send people that that don't like Prince. Like I'll. I always tell them to listen to the song Seven off of the Love Symbol album mm-hmm. because I feel like that is a song that's so, it's so Prince and that was like 90s Prince, keep in mind. But it, I feel like it kind of intertwines like older Prince, newer Prince, like all of that all in one. So I would listen to maybe the Love Symbol album because that had some really I, I feel like that had some really great hits on it. And that's one that wasn't as popular because you can listen to his popular music. You can Google him. You can look it up on Amazon or whatever music platform you have. But Love Symbol, I think, is like his best album that wasn't as popular. So and oh, another another uh, thing that I just thought of that you could um, listen to as well, which this is something that people might not think of when they think of Prince. Some of his best music, in my opinion, was actually when he did like gospel music. So if you can find any of that, like I can send you some um, songs and stuff to listen to. But when he's saying about uh, Jesus and all of that, which I'm not religious, so I'm like, to me, I don't understand it on that religion level, but I understand it on the power level. Like you can feel something in him when he sings those songs. That Prince was amazing. And that's Prince that people don't really know that well either. Like you can feel there's something in them where you're just like, damn, what is that? And and it's kind of like, there's something just so beautiful about it. And so like just real. And every time that I listen to any of that um, music from him, his religious music, that's when I'm like, damn, all right. Like that's when I feel something. I'm like, Prince can take me to church. Nobody else can. But Prince can. <laughs> and that's why I came to you, because I know you know the man, the myth, the legend, front and back. <laughs> so not to take it to a dark place, but like, where were oh, you no. when you remember when you heard the news of his passing? I was actually at I can remember this day. I will never forget this day. Um, I had just gotten back from like going on a walk with somebody and left my phone at my desk. So I didn't get any messages or see anything. And I remember like right when I got to my desk, my phone was just like lit up. Like, you know how when you get a call or a text, you can just see it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Someone must be calling me like on repeat or something. I don't know, maybe a bill collector. I don't know shit. And um, and then uh, Matt from work had come to my desk and was like, man. And I was like, what? Like, why are you looking at me like that? That's weird. And then like four other people had like wheeled over and we're like, Sierra. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? And they were like, you don't know. And then Matt was like, Prince is dead. And I said, I, I literally told him to shut the fuck up. And he was like, no, Prince is, Prince is dead. He was like, I, he was like, look at TMZ said it. I was like, this is fucking sick that anybody would say this. Because just a week before that happened, Prince was on a plane that they had to um, do an emergency landing. Cause apparently he had had a drug overdose on the train, on, on the plane. Mm. And, um, 
Um, and everybody has sent me that article. And my response to that article was, oh, Prince is, Prince is never going to die. He's going to live forever. And then a week later, he passes away. So I was so I was so convinced that it wasn't real because I was, oh, it's just these stupid fucking news places trying to make a story out of nothing. And then and again, I looked at my phone and it was 47 missed texts and this and that. And it was and one of them was from my best friend, the, the Prince fan. And it was like, sit down. And that's when I was, oh, fuck, this is not a joke. I just started crying. I started crying. And at that point, more people had come to my desk because everybody wants to tell, everybody knew I was a big Prince fan. I had a framed picture of him on my desk. Mm -hmm. And so everybody came and was coming to tell me the news. And I was bawling at that point. I was so, I didn't care. Everybody was just, oh, did you hear? And I'm bawling my eyes out. And I was just, leave me the fuck alone. I was so upset. I was like swearing. I was making a scene. And I just left. I just went home. I just like, I just cried, man, for like hours and hours because I just couldn't believe it. And then I put on his music and just listened to it all night long and then cried some more. And then at midnight, I like danced and then cried. That's a major key. Never underestimate the power of a solo dance session. It was just, it was just insane. I will never forget that. I had to take like a few days off of work after that because I was so just crushed and I just didn't want to talk to people because people like to, like, if they know you like something, they're going to be like, man, what, what's up with that? And I was just like, please don't talk to me. I just don't want to talk about it. That was, that was tough. That was probably like the first celebrity death. I think that hit me the hardest where I was like shook into my core. I was so upset by it. I feel that. And I remember like everybody outside of first Ave, like, packed like singing i believe they were singing doves cry i think that's yeah. what it was. it was it was a moment it was a moment it was a moment well you know again being from minneapolis like i had we had gone downtown um the night after it happened and you know went to the all-night dance party at first mm-hmm. Ave and just talked with all the fans and you know you get to know a lot of the fans throughout the years because you, you all go to the same shows you see each other you wait outside and so all of us we just like had like this moment i remember we actually had gone to the 90s to have a drink in prince honor like just random people that you don't really know but you know and i remember somebody went on the jukebox and put on um purple rain and everybody in the bar just raised their glass and was just like it was like silent everybody just did it and man that was that was a tough time like minneapolis had a bunch of tributes to him all over and we had gone to me and my writing partner had gone to um a lot of these like poetry readings because you know we're writers and we're into um a lot of the local writers and whatnot and there were so many local writers that had done tributes to him and had done like spoken word pieces dedicated to how he had changed their lives. I remember we had gone to this one reading where they started off with everybody singing Purple Rain together, which I know um, it's funny because I get mad sometimes <laughs> when people are like, after he passed away, all these people who I know were like, I'm the biggest Prince fan ever. And, and I'm like, you were rolling your eyes and <laughs> never every You're time I go to a concert, you were like, why are you going to Prince again? Like so that, that did piss me me off a little bit everybody like would would post like prince was like the best thing ever and i'm like you didn't even like name one song other than purple rain off the purple rain album and then we can talk fans are irksome for sure yeah so that that is frustrating i mean i'm glad that now he's getting um more you know fame from it but i just wish it was real true um real true care No, for sure. Because like, just to change gears a little bit, I was going to ask you about another connection point. As far as him being a sex symbol, right? Like this man had women swooning, 
right? But he was he's very the sexiest man ever. Yeah, I mean, and so many would agree with you, right? And he did it without the toxic or stereotypical masculine energy that we're accustomed to in our culture. Really, nobody was really doing like that in our music culture. I don't know much about Bowie, but maybe he he's in that conversation. But really, as far as black artists, no black men were doing it like that. Like as far as I know, nobody was doing it, and I can say no one did it as effective, right? I think that was. What do you think, what do you think it was? Was it the voice? Was it just? It was the package, honey. It was everything. <laughs> like, I, I don't, just the way he carried himself was so sexy and just beautiful and just gorgeous. The way that he was just like, I am who I am. And if I want to wear, you know, six inch high heels and walk better and better in them than you can, then I'm going to do it. And I don't care what you say. And just the way that he was so playful and just funny, he had it all going on. He was funny. He was talented. He could sing. He could dance. He could do it all. He didn't care what people thought about him. Like, there's something so attractive about that. Do you feel as though before his death, Minneapolis really loved him as much as they should have? Or and how how did they embrace him, like, most visibly? Yeah, I mean, I think Minneapolis, hands down, always loved Prince. And I think always will love Prince. Um, I mean, now, obviously, there's a lot more people that do love him or, or say that they love him. But at least where I was from... Uh, you know, you could walk down the street and see somebody wearing a Prince t-shirt on any old day of the week. You know what I mean? Um, a car could pass by and you could hear a Prince song blasting loudly and everybody would stop and like bang their head to it because that was just what Prince meant to Minneapolis. Like everybody loves Prince and everybody has a Prince story in Minneapolis. Um, you know, what's funny is it, I think that spanned way outside of Minnesota way outside of the U.S. because every time I would go to concert, like I said, you would see the same people in line. But I remember that night that we had spent the night outside of First Ave to get those tickets um, to his 3121 after party. Uh, the people next to us were from Israel and they said they travel all the time to go see Prince. And then the people on this side, I think they were from like Brazil. And wow. again, they traveled to see Prince. And I had traveled to London to go see Prince once, but it was like a secret show. Nobody knew when he was going to come, just that he was going to go over there. So me and my friend, we had gone on vacation to London, like hoping like maybe we'll see Prince. And we were asking all these like blues bars and stuff like, hey, is Prince coming? And all of them even love Prince over there across the pond. And so amazing. everybody loves Prince. Like, I don't know. Everybody has story i know i'm trying to go, don't get me wrong i'm trying to go back and re-educate myself you know so i'm kind of asking for everybody but definitely also asking for myself um what is the one thing you think everyone should know about prince but no one really does uh well hmm. i think everybody knows he was weird i think everybody knows he was a perfectionist but i think not everybody knows that he was a very kind person like he he was one of those people that yes he was rich yes he you know had all this money yes he had a big ass mansion paisley park but he also gave so much to his community and he did it without having the press around in fact like when he would give money oftentimes he would say my only stipulation for this donation is that you don't say prince gave it to you and he believed in keeping um you know the arts in schools all of that stuff and he gave so much to his community to make sure that that was kept alive when budget cuts and things were happening and he never got pressed for it he never wanted press for it and i think a lot of people don't know that about him they just think he's like this diva that was like this um sassy guy but no he was actually like very kind-hearted and very down to earth i love that i love that all right a little bit off the prince 
train. Um, right now, the city's going through a lot of a lot of turmoil. Right, it's a tough time to be in Minneapolis. No secret, this trial's kind of going to rip open some old festering wounds. Obviously, I'm trying to get a sense of like what what do you love about Minneapolis? Why do you choose Minneapolis? Why do you choose to stay in Minnesota? What makes us so unique? I think for me, and you know, I grew up in North Minneapolis, which is the inner city. I chose to buy my home in North Minneapolis, which everybody is surprised by that because they're like, "Why would you want to live in North Minneapolis if you don't have to?" And the way that I answer that question when I get that is that there's such a sense of community here that I have not seen in anywhere else that I've visited. And it just like, it just feels like home. Honestly, you could go out on the street and be like, Hey, I need some help. And anybody would help you. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't, I don't even get that even outside of the North side. Like sometimes I'll go to the South Minneapolis or even uptown and people are so closed off, but where I live, like people are way more open with each other. They're way more honest with each other. So if you're doing something wrong, they're going to tell you, but that's just because they want you to get right. They don't want you, you know, they don't want you to go down the wrong path in a way. And I think there's just like an honesty here, even with like, you brought up the, the trial going on. If you look outside in my neighborhood, there's like, after that happened, like everybody was together on that. Like everybody was like justice for George. Everybody was like, we're not going to let this happen. And even when they were trying to have the media turn against our community and be like, why are you guys burning down your community? We were like, that that's not us. That is, you know, these people that came in from out of town that are trying to, you know, cause whatever they're trying to do. They're trying to force a narrative. Yeah. And, and we were like, we're not going to let that happen. We know who we are. We know what's right we know what's wrong and we're going to stand up for that whether or not you threaten uh our livelihood whether or not you burn down our grocery stores we don't care like this is what we believe in and this is what we're gonna stand for and um i mean i'm i'm not saying that you couldn't get that in other cities but for me i've just always had that comfort of community ever since i was a kid here and it's something that i don't ever want to lose it's something that will always um be near and dear to me and i'll be grateful for it always wow wow i love that mm-hmm. all right so anything else, anything else, Prince Lid, you want to put out to the ether, put out to the soul somewhere around. <laughs> <laughs> anything else get it out i need to hear i don't want to miss anything uh, you know what's funny i do have one more story yes. just because you reminded me of it I want to so you said you saw uh dave Chappelle at the dakota yes. so someone else that i used to see at the dakota all the time um is bobby z who you probably don't even know who that is if you don't listen to prince but he was prince's drummer in the revolution and um he's always at uh, the Dakota as well. And one time me and my friend were there having a drink again, um, just another night. And we get like a tap on the shoulder because we always like sitting in the balcony because, you know, it's a very small, intimate venue, but the best seat is that balcony right in front of the stage. Yeah. And we were sitting there and we got like a tap on the shoulder and I turned around and it's Bobby Z. And I was like, what the hell? Bobby Z is like tapping me on the shoulder. What's going on? And he's just like, hey, you're in my spot. That's my spot. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, sir, you can have it and I'll buy you a drink. <laughs> but um, but no, he was he was just kidding. I think he liked I think he liked the attention, you know. But yeah, so it is funny that you always see like Prince people at the Dakota. I don't I don't know why, but um, it is a really cool spot to hang out. Such a dope spot. Okay, you just reminded me of something else. Now the different eras of Prince was he just always trying to reinvent himself? Like no, what? 
Uh, I don't think it was that because Prince was always Prince. Like, no, like he never changed his personality. He just changed like his delivery in a way almost. And I think that's just because he evolved. Like, like people do like, you're not the same person that you were five years ago, 10 years ago. And the thing with Prince is that he was making music like 24 seven, always doing something, always making music. And I think it's just, he just evolved and he just kept going, but he was still always Prince. And I always kind of like equated to if you were a painter, right? And let's say your best painting was you use black and then people were like oh you did so well using black only use black and you're like no there's all these other colors i want to paint with blue and purple and yellow and people are like no we don't like when you use yellow you go back to the black you'd be like no i'm gonna do my own thing so yeah kinda... and that's the thing it's like you've already done it like right. prince already made purple rain you know what i mean like he doesn't need to keep wearing a purple coat in a in a blouse as dave Chappelle would say he doesn't need to keep wearing that he already did it right. you know what i mean and also like that was the early 80s this is now you know 20 the 2010 or whatever you know and so it's like he's been there he's done that now this is what he's doing and the thing about Prince was like it was not just music it was like actual life lessons if that makes sense like Prince taught me like you were saying Prince was unapologetically himself he taught me to not care what anybody thinks of me like just be yourself like Mm -hmm. just be you and you'll be fine and I have carried that with me forever and to see that so many other people carried that too and got that same message from him Prince taught people about sexuality Prince taught people about gender before it was a thing before it was like the the hot topic like he taught everybody something about being themselves and there's something so beautiful in that and to hear that hear that through story and hear that through writing and hear that through artistry it was just amazing to hear that's awesome that's awesome all right sierra i appreciate you so much thank you so much for all that all that yeah no problem all right i'll talk to you soon all right cool bye-bye yes yes that's it Episode 2, Part 1 in the books. Special thanks to Sierra. That's at Sissy LaRue01, S-I-S-I-L-A-R-U-E-01 on Instagram. Writer, Minneapolis native. She did me the pleasure, so I'm going to share that with y'all, of making me a Prince playlist. I like to think of it as a B-Sides essential, if you will. She did that for me. I've been listening to it. I enjoy it. And I'm going to go ahead and put that in the description, the episode description for y'all. Weirdos Love Minnesota Part 2 coming very, very soon. It's going to be a very tasty episode full of flavor in your ear. Very spicy, if you know what I mean. (laughs) In the meantime, y'all, please take care of your mental health. There's so much going on. Um, We just try to get to a more equitable place in this state, in this country. And we need every one of you anti-racist, accomplices, allies here with us on Earth in order to make it happen. It's Everybody vs. Racism 2021 and beyond. This episode was produced and edited by yours truly. Coming to you live from my wonderful downtown studio and of course by that i mean my bedroom closet (laughs) it's the word away talk to you soon i'm out